0: Hello and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. The COVID-19 pandemic continues to grow and as summer nears an end, parents have been wondering what will school look like? The Iowa City Community School Board made a decision that it would not be safe to bring students and staff back to the classroom at this time. But just a few days later, Governor Reynolds signed a proclamation that says schools must prioritize in-person learning. Here to help me unravel the confusion is Interim Superintendent Matt Dagner. Thanks for joining me.
1: You're welcome, happy to be here.
0: Yes, well there's a lot happening in our city and especially within our school district. So I'm gonna jump right in there because I know that there's people out in our community that wants to know about what's happening, um, especially when it comes down to the discussion surrounding the school board and how do they, you know, come to that decision to have online courses? Can you talk to us about that?
1: Sure. So thanks for the question, Bruce. And again, thanks for the opportunity to speak to everybody today. Um, the the decision to start the year offsite or through a virtual format uh, was one um, that had been under consideration, you know, really since we started the planning of this process in in May and June. Uh, The district was tasked from the State Department of Education to come up with three different learning models, one that would be the one that was selected an offsite model, uh, one that is a hybrid uh, solution, and then preparing for onsite instruction as well. And so we've been working over the last uh, several months with uh, large teams of of teachers, administrators, community partners, uh, really trying to work through those return to learn uh, processes and plans. Um, And then as we got closer to the start of the school year, and as we've seen some um, probably more uh, problematic um, data and numbers uh, come through the county and uh, from working with Johnson County Public Health, we really felt, um, and again, probably with some of the students coming back and the the lack of ability to be able to predict what was gonna happen there, that um, the health and safety uh, component of that made us feel it was best to start in that offsite uh, environment Uh, with a, Obviously, with the goal of of trying to get people on site, we want our students in classrooms, we want our teachers in classrooms, but we want to be able to do it in a health um, health and safety uh, minded way. And so, uh, as the board considered, I think all those factors and took our recommendation uh, for that approach to the school year, uh, we you know we we had a unanimous vote on it from the board. Um, I would say we've heard from lots of staff um, that are extremely pleased with that decision, lots of parents that were very happy and relieved with that decision. But of course, also some families that are that are really upset or that are um, really frustrated by that decision um, because of the challenges uh, that we know it creates uh, for for our different uh, parents and, and families and students uh, by starting the school year at home.
0: I watched the school board members and, and how they really had a, a challenge navigating through all of the discussions based on some of the things that you mentioned, um, it, it was no easy task for them to do that. Uh, but they did come up with the online decision, which I understand that our governor initially has said she's going to leave it up to the to the uh, school districts to make their own choices and it, it'll be, uh, they need to make the choice for their community. So that happened on Tuesday when the school board did that. And then on Friday, the governor came out and said, nope, we're going to, um, take over control a little bit, and we're going to say fifty percent in classroom learning. Did you all have any idea that that would happen?
1: Not at all, uh, Bruce. Uh, I think that's been uh, part of our frustration: uh, is receiving that guidance uh, extremely late. On the seventeenth of July was problematic, as we've been engaged, like I talked about, you know, for two or three months in this work. Um, to have kind of rules change um, late in this process uh, has has made it uh, extremely difficult. You know, we were working with the best information we had, with um, the guidance we've been given uh, throughout the process. We've been doing weekly webinars with the Department of Ed, and um, so to have that announcement on Friday really kind of shook the um, shook the core of, of what we were working on and what we were working from. And so now, I think what we're tasked to do is uh, look at a waiver. <clears throat> um, I, I think they're a little hesitant on calling it a waiver. Or essentially, you know, I'm not sure what that word that they're going to land on for what that process looks like. That we need to work with our local department of public health, the Iowa State Department of Public Health, and the Iowa Department of Education. That if we would want to uh, begin in a model that is less than 50% um, of instruction happening in person, so uh, that could even affect our approach to how we had planned the hybrid, uh, which would have been our step into on on-site instruction. Um, it would have technically been um, less than 50%, uh, we do think we, there's some things we can do to uh, to try to work on that and show that we are meeting a 50% threshold in that hybrid model. But of course, in a totally offsite environment, uh, we wouldn't be meeting that that 50% threshold. And so so we've asked for a meeting with them to get that reviewed. Uh, they've shared that that criteria wouldn't be available to August, uh, but we're actively working to uh, try to get a meeting set with them to to have our plans reviewed and and to uh, submit a waiver just as soon as we can uh, to see if it's allowable to start in that fashion.
0: Time is of the essence, right? Because August 24th is when the in-person learning is supposed to go into effect. And so I know that the school board, of course, is going to be meeting to discuss this further. What are some of the things that you're thinking? Um, Because if the waiver doesn't go through, then you have to do the in-person learning um, at the fifty percent. So, um, just want to know what your thoughts are and what the school board um, is planning for that in-person learning.
1: Sure, and so that's some uh, additional pieces we'll we'll try to continue to share this evening uh, to the board. Um, just ty- trying to talk from the the things that we've had out. Uh, previously, our hybrid model, the last hybrid model that we had discussed that we were landed on would have included an A cohort of students and a B cohort of students that would have went to school on a Monday, Tuesday, say the A students go Monday, Tuesday. Um, there's a remote learning day on Wednesday and then the B students come to school on Thursday, Friday. Um, so, so we're close to that 50%. I think our job now is to tweak what that might look like um, to uh, see if our model can be in compliance with what the State Department of Ed has said. but um, We're also still gonna continue to uh, talk about how we still feel our our approach and our decision was the right one at the time. And that we still believe that it's the right one and that um, we need to try to pursue um, the avenues open to us uh, to start school that way. But if we don't, um, then that's where I said, we're back to kind of planning from that AB model that we've talked from and, and trying to see what we can do to um make sure that that is sufficient or in compliance or um what kind of flexibility we have around starting in that environment if they um you know are opposed to starting in the other one um i think there's probably a lot of frustration from uh teacher groups from administrator groups uh that you kind of channeled into that question before about the the timing and the nature of the guidance we received um, and so i know that conversation is probably still going on as well and um, i don't think it will uh, be settled without question You know that there still be some districts that are in difficult spots uh, as you just mentioned about getting close to August 24th and having some plans in motion um, and so I think there's still more conversation to come on it and um, I know we're willing to ask those difficult questions uh, in that way too.
0: Well regardless of if there will be the in-person um, waiver granted, you'll still have online options for students can you talk about what safeguards will be there for those students that totally don't thrive um, with online online learning because i know that there is some concern there and just what are some of the things that the district plans to do to ensure that no one falls behind
1: sure and that's a challenging one right because we already struggle with that even in our system you know if we're being honest when we have kids and in front of us on a daily basis. We know there's uh, kids that aren't as successful and we know what our demographic subgroup data looks like around that. And so we know um, it it affects our black and brown students um, more significantly uh, than than our our white Asian uh, student uh, populations. And so when we look at trying to plan and prepare for which groups uh, potentially or uh, which students and which families uh, are gonna potentially uh, need some, some support, we intentionally do that around our in-person and in our classrooms and in our teaching and in our leadership. Uh, so we need to do that same thing here uh, in an offsite environment and try to uh, work through those different uh, what we call MTSS, multi tier system of support opportunities that we need to have an MTSS system built around offsite instruction too. So when a student isn't engaging or isn't completing uh, coursework uh, through an online environment that we have several steps of intervention uh, we take to try to engage that student and, and to try to uh, meet them where they are and to try to get them uh, thriving in that environment and engaging in that environment. Uh, we know that isn't gonna be easy, but it's not gonna come without challenge. Uh, but I think that's what our teams have been working on over the summer uh, in the variety of these uh, three different scenarios I talked to you about. And, and so that's been intentional planning as we went along, as we've tried to construct the online schedules for what would happen at home if we were gonna start this way. Uh, And so I know our teams have have thought a lot about that. We've had equity representatives on all of our different uh, subcommittees uh, so that we were approaching that with the universal design for equity as we went throughout uh, to think about it. Um, But we also have students that like you said, just won't engage uh, sometimes or or can't engage. And so we need to be ready to take some uh, significant steps around intervention to try to ensure that um, and, and help kids be as successful as they can be in this environment.
0: In light of equity, let's start with the basics when we're looking at individuals that maybe have challenges with internet access or a computer itself. What is the district doing there?
1: Yeah, and I think that one um, we feel uh, fairly confident about in our approach. And so, uh, already in grade 7-12, we had a device provided to every student uh, and uh, really, uh, in this summer, uh, we accelerated our elementary device allocation model as well, so that we would be able to equip every elementary student with a device uh, to start um, start this school year with, whether they were on site or whether they were off site. And so, we will feel like we'll be able to meet that need uh, right away. Uh, the bigger challenge, like you said, sometimes is the connectivity access and uh, enough connectivity access. Uh, I think we also heard that from families. And so, what we've tried to do is partner. Uh, with local providers like Mediacom and Verizon, and then our own district tech team, uh, to uh, get parents and students connected in their homes uh, where that has been an issue, and that's a request uh, process. That if um, they they submit a request uh, to get one of those mobile hotspots, uh, then we work with those providers to get them uh, set up and and hooked up. And so we've been continuing to do that uh, through the summer uh, here. And so Adam Kurth, our director of technology and innovation, has uh, spearheaded that effort. And so. We feel good about the steps there. Of course, turnaround was difficult for us in the spring uh, when we started that because of the amount of need and the quick nature of trying to get all of that uh, set up. But we feel like for the fall, we've been able to be planful and we'll be ready to, to meet that challenge. So uh, really um, families, if they're needing that, just need to contract our district help desk if they don't have that connectivity in their home and then we can get them set up.
0: Yeah, so I know that the school is, the district is juggling a lot. So one of the things I think about is what happens and if in you know later this fall we kind of see the numbers uh for COVID positive cases trickle down within our community what are 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 you all having plan A plan B for any of those transitional options so that um, because we do know that in-person learning is most optimal so what are some of the things that you all are planning um as if the numbers should go down, which I'm hoping uh, will will be the case.
1: Yeah, exactly, Bruce. And and you know I think at some point uh, we will be on site. I mean I think that's the reality, and uh, hopefully that's also um, before we get a vaccine that the um, that the numbers uh, are safe and that the measures and metrics that we look at are safe. Um, I think part of the challenge again with what came on Friday is that locally we were working with the health department to determine what those measures and metrics might be. We'd already had those on the closure end of things around the classroom, the building and the district level about when we would close our next iteration of that was going to be develop numbers for when we would come on site. Um, part of our work with the health department led us to believe there was no me- measure or metric we could develop right now that would show it would be a good idea to be on site or in classrooms. So that was a big driver in our original decision. Uh, but what we uh, learned on Friday is that the state plans to give us, Uh, those measures and metrics and that's kind of tied to this waiver about being able to go to um, off-site learning uh, that you would have to have those standards so we're not sure we haven't received those um, numbers yet Uh, they announced it Friday we had a webinar on Monday uh, and they're saying early August is when they would like to get us those to know um, again when we would need to pull back and then probably if we have the numbers for when we would need to pull back that indicates about when we'd be able to be on site or when we would expect be expected uh, in their minds to be on site in that scenario. So I hope that addressed that question. I think yeah. it's, it's kind of right. Like when do you pull back? And then also sure. when do you feel comfortable about coming in? Um, but we were determining them locally, but it, now it says um, some of that guidance may be coming from the state.
0: Well, COVID is novel, and so is the position that the school board and, and even the staff uh, with the district. Um, you're all in novel situations, and so um, the Grab and Go program uh, for meals that students have been uh, able to get now, are, what are the thoughts on extending that program um, here in the near future, and what does that look
1: like? You know, we know food security is a huge issue, right, and that was one of when we were, uh, had the situation thrown us in the spring like the whole community did. Uh, one of the first things we wanted to try to do was ensure food security. And so that was a huge component of our work initially is getting grab and go sites set up, getting that staffed, uh, getting the information out to parents and providing that. And I think we've had a lot of success in that effort. And so we'd like to continue that. Um, obviously we're committed to uh, trying to help that, that challenge. Um, there's been some concerning things coming out of Washington around um, you know, their, their ability or willingness to want to continue to fund. Uh, that effort as we go along. I think that's probably um, some of their uh, desire to have uh, students in in schools on site. Um, And so um, I'm not sure what that grab and go conversation is gonna continue to look like Um, from a backing of like where the source of the dollars are. I know as a district, uh, we wanna stay committed to trying to meet that food insecurity need uh, for as many families as possible. And so we're continuing to monitor that. We feel like we're in a good position as it stands today uh, to continue that service and um, we'll continue to obviously update um, if anything changes on that end. But um, we know that's a critical critical part of our work, one of those Maslow's hierarchy needs is one of the first things we need to do uh, for our folks.
0: So the grab and go I know has been very well received by people in the community. Students have just um, had the opportunity uh, to have a, a meal every day and I think you even had breakfast um, available when they came to get the meal so that's been something that I know has been very uh, positive especially when we're talking about uh, the lack of food or food insecurity here so thanks to the district for doing that I know that there is a uphill battle to learn if the federal government will continue to uh, support it uh, financially and so I'm hoping for the best because our kids do matter and um, right now Uh, There's a lot of changes and I think that that would be one thing that if we can continue it would be great. In light of Black Lives Matter, I know that the school district has been having some conversations about that, especially when it comes to uh, equity um, and being, uh, can you, I I just want to know what has has been some of the conversations surrounding that, what is some of the school district looking at uh, to ensure that. Uh, the conversations that have been brought to you all relating to Black Lives Matter is a, is on the table for discussion.
1: Sure. I think the first thing we would want uh, people to to know and hear from us, uh, especially our, our black administrators, our black teachers, our black staff members, and our black students is that black lives do matter. Uh, that That's uh, obviously important to us and, and part of our uh, continued uh, commitment to them. Um, I know that you know, I think it's important for me to say, you know, oftentimes we get feedback for uh, when we engage in these conversations and just around, um, you know, the, uh, some, I guess some folks uh, the, the politicization of, of the issue. And, you know, the, the conversation that uh, people get into around, well, all lives matter. And then the black lives matter component. And, and I think the the important thing that we continue to try to talk about is this is not intentional to saying that uh, people that Um, we see valued less in some segments of our society and that their lives are taken for granted that that's why it's important to say and that's why it's important uh, for us as a district to make sure that our students, uh, staff, teachers, administrators and families hear from us. Um, And so with that said, we're engaged in several conversations. Uh, The Iowa Freedom Riders has met with our uh, board two different times, uh, one in a a work session format and one in a smaller group setting with only a couple board members. Uh, uh, participate in a conversation with them around their list of demands and list of uh, efforts for change um, in, this, in this local school district. Uh, and then there's been a uh, work session and meetings conducted around uh, better understanding those demands, uh, understanding what are some of the steps the district could take uh, to look at continual improvement efforts and things that need to have some urgent attention uh, given to them. And uh, we're not done with that work. We're not gonna be done with that work. Uh, That has to be something that we remain committed to and focused on as well. Uh, And so our next step in that is really a conversation with our own equity uh, committee in the district uh, that we'll be engaged with here at the end of the month or early in August. And then to really um, set forth some action steps uh, that we are committed to doing. And so we've kind of held those in draft form right now and uh, saw where we had alignment with the Uh, freedom writers conversation uh, and maybe some some space where we still have some work to do around that or where we still have some questions to sort out and so um, I see that as critical part of our work I think equity is critical part of our work our system can't work for some kids and not all kids Uh, that's the promise of public education is that it should work for everybody and we know that we have uh, uh, significant issues in several areas around that and uh that has to be our work, you know. That has to be some of the most important work, if not the most important work, uh, that we try to take on as an improvement uh, for our, our system here in Iowa City.
0: One of the things I've been so eternally grateful for is uh, this time with COVID-19. Um, it has allowed people to to kind of be still a little more than normal, and then we have the Black Lives Matter movement, where we have the opportunity to really. Have a moment to pause and to look at what uh, Black Lives Matter movement means, what the stories of individuals are sharing uh, their personal stories, and I think when I when I've thought about the conversations related to race, that's something that m- it's an uncomfortable conversation. Most times we shy away from it. We'll we'll address it really quickly and then you know try to because it's uncomfortable, but. Right now I think we see it across the nation where the conversation is being had and I appreciate that the Iowa City Community School District is having the conversation for real and making some steps on how to really change the trajectory to ensure that everyone is successful uh, to, the, you know, to the best of the ability that can be created. So thanks to you and the district for the hard work that you're doing there. And I wanted to just know if there's anything else that you want to share with the community. I know that you all have a lot of things going on with the school district, but I appreciate you taking time to talk to me today.
1: You know, maybe the last thing I would say, Bruce, and and you're welcome, and certainly happy to do it, and, you know, I can't echo uh, what you said enough, is that, you know, we can't let this slide to the rearview mirror, you know, around uh, some of our equity-related work. Um, This has to be, like I said, the critical work. Uh, for us, because um, this is the, the students' one shot at, at their education, and so we we try to come to it with that same urgency every single day. Um, in particular to COVID, um, I think you know we understand the stress, the anxiety, the fear um, that uh, for for working parents with the decision on the the offsite component, uh, we don't want that to be a long term situation. Uh, you know, we would look for transition points to do on site. Um, you know, if we do end up on site, we understand um, the fear, anxiety, and, and uh, stress that comes from that and trying to keep our, our kids and our staff safe uh, in that regard too, and, and the people they come home to safe. And so um, we know that it's a very um, divisive issue. There's um, a lot of people with a lot of, uh, I would say data and research to support uh, their position. And and we want to just guarantee that we're working with our local partners the best we can uh, in a very, um, quick fashion but also a very deliberate fashion, making sure we're not missing anything and that we want to try to provide as much continual information and transparency as we can as a district about what the start of the school year is going to look like to to set our kids and our our staff up for the most success as possible.
0: Well, I am so happy that uh, the Iowa City Community School District is navigating a lot and thank you so much for being a part of today and looking forward to hearing from uh, some more things that is coming from the school district so thank you so much for all you're doing
1: you bet thank you bruce
0: that's our show today if you are wondering what the city is doing in response to the pandemic you can visit us at icgov.org coronavirus for details we've got another episode of community connection coming out thursday night about disability pride month make sure to tune in until then be safe and be kind thanks for watching